Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church family, guests, everybody who joins us, we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. We want to say welcome, and we are very excited to have this opportunity. Of course, it's unusual we get to come to you in your houses through the camera, but nonetheless, we're very, very excited about that. Um, we're going to continue to preach and teach the Word any way that we can. Uh, you know, as, as well as we do, that's really what we believe here at Ray of Hope, and it is our pleasure to be with you this morning. We would like to remind you to give, and you can do that online. You can mail checks in. Uh, you can also uh, drop them off if you would prefer that method. Whatever method you choose, that is great with us, but we just want to remind you that that is still uh, available, and we would love uh, to help you worship in that manner. Uh, Pastor Mike is going to bring the message this morning, so let's get ready. Get your Bibles out, get your notes ready, and let's hear from the Lord. Thanks, Matt. Well, we didn't think we were going to be uh, coming this way to you, but we are. And uh, extraordinary times, the virus has changed all of our lives, and certainly uh, you know that, and we all know that. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the thief on the cross. We're doing a series called The Bad Boys of Easter, kind of an unusual title, but we're learning so much from this. And um, I, I think we all have to come to the conclusion that the Word of God is important, whether we're at home or we're together uh, corporately, and the virus has really changed uh, our way of life. And in spite of that, we're going to go on. I heard something humorous in the midst of you know something serious. Someone said, how are you going to pay for that? Is it going to be Visa, MasterCard, or toilet paper? So I think uh, you have to find a little levity in the middle of a very bad situation. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about Judas. Um, he is a very uh, different character in the Bible. Most people know who Judas is. I want to start in John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can certainly turn there. But uh, Judas, there was a lot of people named Judas in the Bible. Uh, came from the term or the name of the tribe Judah, which was a real person. That's also the tribe that, Ju that Jesus came out of, the tribe of Judah. And so many times in the Bible, Judah uh, appears, and then in the New Testament it becomes Judas in the name that we're going to talk about today. But Judas is mentioned about uh, 20, a little over 20 times in your Bible. Sometimes he's referred to as Judas Iscariot. Now, the tag Iscariot means he's from a certain location. So from all the other Judases in the Bible, Judas Iscariot is the one that they're trying to define. Now, when you look at Judas being one of the 12, and what an honor to be one of the 12 hand-selected by Jesus, but Jesus knew his heart, and he knew all along what uh, Judas was going to do. So John 6 begins by Jesus feeding the 5,000. So what a miracle. The, the loaves and the, and the fish are divided. 5,000 men are fed. We don't know how many uh, women and children might have been there, but we know 5,000 men were there. Now, that was an extraordinary miracle. And after that miracle is over, they gathered up the fragments. Twelve baskets were left over. And Jesus sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee to the next location, but he goes up to a mountain to pray. While there on the sea, a storm arises, and Jesus sees them out there battling the storm, and he comes walking to them on the water. 
So another great miracle, Jesus walks on the water and they gladly receive him in the boat and he goes to the other side. There's a tremendous crowd waiting for Jesus and the disciples on the other side. And this is when he begins to teach them that your fathers received manna that came down from heaven. And he began to say, I am the true manna that came down from heaven sent by my father. And he says, I am the bread of life. And later in that chapter, he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And of course, he's referring to the body and the blood that's going to be given for our sanctification and our salvation and his uh, great commitment and his sacrifice at the cross. But when he began to talk that way, many people misunderstood him. And, he, and, and, and they said, you know, how can he be saying that? This is a very hard saying. And from that moment, many left, and they did not follow him anymore. And I want to pick it up. This is in uh, chapter 6, verse 67. Uh, Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So early on, Jesus knew that Judas, his heart was not right. He would be the betrayer. Now, what can we learn from the life of Judas? I mean, this is not in the Bible just to be reading. This is for our benefit, for our learning. So what does Judas teach us? So if you'd follow me along just for the next few minutes, I think we can glean some really great things from the life of Judas. Here, here's number one. Judas teaches us about lost opportunities. Now think about this. Judas is with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, for somewhere around three, three and a half years. Can you imagine everything that he witnessed? Now we just talked about he witnessed the miracle of the fish and the loaves. He knew what was there. He knew what the little boy had. He knew that Jesus blessed it. He knew that Jesus broke it. But in the end, he knew what was given, which wasn't much, fed over 5,000 people. He saw Jesus walking on the water. It's not that he heard about it. Listen, friends, he saw it. He began to see miracle after miracle after miracle. He saw the water turned into wine. He saw Lazarus raised from the dead. He saw the lame walk, the blind see, demons cast out. And yet this person, Judas, who saw this, experienced this, he knew it wasn't a fake. He knew it wasn't some kind of a story that was made up. This man literally saw the miracles and the wonders and the signs of Jesus Christ. He heard the preaching. He heard the declaration. And he had every opportunity to see things that sometimes you and I wish we could have seen. But he lost and he missed and he squandered an opportunity that very few people ever have in their entire life. So what is he teaching us? We don't want to miss the opportunities that we have. He had the opportunity to be one of the twelve and he missed a miraculous once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So let's not miss the opportunities that God gives us in our life. Here's the second thing. Judas teaches us about the need to change. Now, when Jesus says in John 6 that one of you will uh, be 
train me or, or you're going to be a, a, a person that is demonic, then we know that from that time until the betrayal, until Judas died, that he had sufficient time to change. He had opportunities to change, but he never changed. One of the interesting things that I thought of when we were uh, talking about this and studying this is that Jesus never indicated that Judas personally was going to be the betrayer. He never talked about it until the last night, until that betrayal. Because we're going to talk about this in a minute. Everyone wondered who was going to be the betrayer. And Jesus gave him all this time, all these years to make a change, but Judas never made the change. You know, the transformation that we all need and Judas needed is available. The Bible says that we can renew our mind, renew our life, become a new creature. We don't give in to culture. We don't conform, but we transform. So Judas had the same opportunity, and I believe that because... Uh, if Judas didn't betray, someone would have betrayed. It was in the heart of someone. But I believe God is a just God, a merciful God. He gives mercy and grace to everyone, but he gives us our own will. And Judas went by his own will, and he never had a transformation or a change in his own personal life. So even in John chapter 6, we saw and we see that he is going to be the betrayer. We see his heart. Jesus knew it. But almost three years later, there's no change, there's no transformation. So the change in our lives can be difficult. They're necessary. And we all have to have a transformation. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us in that transformation. But yet Judas never had a transformation. That the power of change, the opportunity of change, and he teaches us the necessity of change. Here's the third thing he teaches us. He showcases us the wrong attitude toward worship. God should be worshipped. Jesus should be worshipped. We ought to be worshipers. Jesus said uh, that worshipers should worship God in spirit and in truth. That's found in John chapter 4. I want to direct you to John chapter 12. And in chapter 12, this is six days before the Passover. And so he is in the region of Jerusalem. Outside of Jerusalem is a little town called Bethany. In Bethany is where his friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus live. Chapter 11, Jesus has already resurrected Lazarus from the grave. Roll away the stone. Lazarus comes out. He's been dead for four uh, days. He is brought back to life. But in chapter 12, before Jesus goes into Jerusalem that last week of his life, he's having supper at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It's at that evening at supper that Mary takes a container, a box, a flask, if you will, a very precious ointment, and she comes to the feet of Jesus, and Mary pours it out at the feet of Jesus and anoints his feet. The Bible says the, the smell of that precious ointment filled the entire house. And with her hair, she's wiping the feet of Jesus. Imagine her humility. Maybe she's crying. The tears are falling on the feet of Jesus. And as she anoints the feet and she wipes the feet of Jesus, it is an expression of worship, praise, 
adoration. It is a very costly sense of worship. Worship will cost. And it's during this time when she is anointing and worshiping at the feet of Jesus that Judas has an issue with her display of worship and the costly act that she bestowed upon the Savior. His comment was, why was this not sold and the money given to the poor? Now, I want to direct your attention because at verse 6, chapter 12, it says, he didn't care for the poor because he was a thief. He held the bag. The money was held in the bag and Judas was stealing money from the bag. So he had, he had no heart for the poor. He was wanting the money to be sold or the, 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 uh, the money from the selling of the ointment to be sold and brought into the bag so he could pilfer out of the bag. So Jesus knew his heart years before. Here at the last of uh, Jesus' life and the last of Judas' life, he is still not regenerate. He's still not repentant. He's still stealing from the bag. He has this issue of worship. Now, if there's anything he's teaching us about worship here is the value of worship and how Jesus said what this woman has done will be presented and shared through the years and the years, and certainly we're talking about it in 2020. So how valuable is worship? Well, worship is very valuable. And that's why we should worship. He's worthy of worship. That's why when we gather corporately or individually in your car, at your home, uh, in your study, sometimes it's your job. That's why we, we verbally give praise to the Lord. We worship Him, His holiness. We, we give thanks to Him. There are times we lift our hands, we clap our hands, we shout, we, we give verbal expression. And this is not just a Pentecostal thing, it's not a ray of hope thing. How many of you know it's a believer thing? I mean, every believer, every Christian should be worshiping God. Clap your hands, all you people, shouting to God with the voice of triumph. I will lift my hands as the evening sacrifice. So we should be worshiping God. And, and Judas, who has an issue with her worship and her commitment and her humility, and sometimes when people aren't really in that vein, it does tend to stir them up a little bit. And Judas is teaching us the value of worship. He is showcasing worship, how we should not respond, and how we should respond through the act of Mary and her humility and her love for Jesus Christ. So he's teaching us the wrong attitude about worship. Worship should be very valuable to us. Here is the fourth thing that Judas teaches us. He's teaching us about the meaning of lordship. Now, let me tell you where I bring this out of Scripture because I think it's very important. The last night um, that Jesus is going to spend with his disciples before the betrayal and before the crucifixion the next day, he's with them in the upper room. They're going to partake of the Last Supper as we know it. This is in Matthew chapter 26. All 12 are with him. You know the story. They come into the upper room. No one washes feet. Jesus takes a towel. He girds himself. He begins to wash their feet. And he shows that servant leadership attitude that certainly Jesus has and he wants all of us to have too. And he's washing their feet. Some of them are very embarrassed by that. And then they go into the meal. And Jesus said, one of you will betray me. 
And all the disciples except Judas begin to ask this. This is very clear in the Bible. They begin to say, is it I, Lord? Is it me, Lord? And so one by one, they're asking, Lord, is, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? But when Judas responds, he doesn't use the word Lord. He said, is it I, Master? That's the King James, other translations. And this is what he's saying. Is it I, Rabbi? He doesn't use the word Lord. Isn't that interesting? He says, is it I, Rabbi? It appears that Judas has related to Jesus as a good teacher, as a religious leader, as a rabbi, but from his own mouth, he doesn't acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Isn't that a telltale sign? Every other disciple, all of the other 11, said, is it I, Lord? But that is not what Judas said. He said, is it I, Master? Is it I, Rabbi? You know, for us to really be right with God, um, we have to acknowledge the Lordship, don't we? That, that He is the sovereign. He's over everything. And so we need to make Him the Lord of our life. And to make the Lord the Lord of our life, it is sacrificial. You have to put other things aside. Uh, he is superior to everything else, to my own feelings. He's superior to everything else that I experience in my life. He's more valuable than money, other relationships, because that's the ultimate relationship. He needs to be the Lord of our life. And... Uh, the Bible says that no one can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. And, and, you know, we can say the word, but to really mean it from our heart, it really takes the Spirit of God for us to know Him as the Lord of our life. So it's a telltale sign that it is Judas not using the word Lord. And Ju Judas, who would betray him, answered, verse 25, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, Jesus responding, you have so said. Now, we have to really see this, that Judas is teaching us Jesus needs to be Lord. Now, here's the fifth thing that Judas is teaching us. He's teaching us about God's timing. Most scholars, many believe that what Judas did was to enact a revolt and a revolution, if you will, to bring the Jewish nation back to prominence for the Romans to be cast out of Palestine and for them to be sovereign in their own country, to have their own sovereign nation again. Because for years, the Romans have uh, taken control of the Jewish lifestyle and their own nation. And I think that Judas is preempting this revolution and he's trying to use Jesus as a pawn, if you will, or a piece of the puzzle. Now, what we have to understand is that this kingdom that Jesus spoke about, and for three, three and a half years, Judas is hearing about this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that's being ushered in. And I think he misunderstood what was happening. I think he thought that Jesus was going to bring a kingdom in, and is going to be right now, going to kick the Romans out, we're going to have a kingdom. And Jesus is going to have a kingdom. But it wasn't in this time. Now, you and I are in the kingdom of God. But that kingdom started in our life and our hearts. It's not an outward kingdom. We're in the United States right now. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad that we live in America. But let me tell you, you're a citizen of heaven first. And I'm a citizen of heaven first. So we have to realize 
that this kingdom was not going to be ushered in at the time that Judas thought. So I'm thinking in his mind and his heart, if I preempt this, then I can bring about God's timing. I can bring this about. And every one of us, we, we, we thought this. God, this would be a good time for you to do this. This would be a good time for you to do that. Maybe, God, this would be a great time for you to show up here. But you know God's sovereign. He doesn't work by my time. He doesn't work by your time. He has his own timing. So we have to realize that Judas is teaching us that God's timing is his timing. And this kingdom that Jesus spoke about would come to pass, but it wouldn't be on Judas's terms. And it won't be on his timing. So he's teaching us that God has a sovereign time. In the fullness of time, God works. God works in seasons. And he's always done that. He'll always do that. So we have to submit to God's timing. Here's the sixth thing that Judas is showing us. And I think this is one of the most valuable things. He's showing us what is truly valuable. Now, you know that he, he left that night. He went to the high priest, the Sanhedrin, where they were gathered. Now, when he left, Jesus took his disciples. They left the upper room. They left Jerusalem. They went across the Kidron Valley. They went up to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there Jesus prayed. There he asked his disciples, he said, could you pray with me? Now, you know that some of them fell asleep. And he said, couldn't you pray with me? Couldn't you just for one hour be with me? And it was at the Garden of Gethsemane that this would be the scene of the betrayal. Now Judas went to betray Jesus with these Jewish leaders. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, the price of the betrayal. Do you know the Old Testament says that the 30 pieces of silver is the very price for a Hebrew slave. Now, Jesus said, Paul refers this uh, in, in Philippians, that, that he came in the form of a servant. And Jesus said, I come to serve. And so they paid him the very exact price for a servant or a slave. And uh, he took the money. Obviously, in that day and time, that was a lot of money. Then he takes a, a mob or crowd. I'm sure there's temple guards there. There's Roman soldiers there. The elite of the elite of the Jewish leadership's there. They go to the Mount of Olives. It's dark. It's about midnight. No street lights. Um, very dark. And Judas had told them, the one that I kiss will be Jesus. Sometimes people say, well, why wouldn't they know, you know who he is? Well, it's just dark. And so he goes up and he kisses Jesus on the cheek. And Jesus looks at Judas and he says, do you betray me with a kiss? How odd and ironic is that? And they arrest Jesus. Jesus says, you know, daily I was with you in the temple. I was there with you day by day. I mean, why is this necessary? You come out with swords and, 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 and clubs and staves and, and torches to arrest me. And he asked them a question. He said, who are you seeking? And they said, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And he said something. If you have a King James Bible, the wording is I am he, and the he is italicized, but 
the exact words that Jesus spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest him on the Mount of Olives, he said these two words. He said, I am. Now, what's very uh, interesting is Jesus goes all the way back to Exodus and he picks up the name of God, if you will, from the burning bush when Moses said, who do I say to Pharaoh, Egypt, and my people who is sending me and who you are? And God said, you tell them I am that I am. And when they said, we're seeking Jesus, he said two words, I am. And when he said, I am, the Bible is very clear. Everyone fell over backwards. Everyone fell over on their back. Because I think this is what Jesus is saying. There's no way you could arrest me unless I allow you to arrest me. And I think they might have asked a little different the second time when they got up off the ground. Uh, now, who do you say that you're looking for? Uh, and they said, well, we're looking for Jesus. And he said, already, I've already said I am. And they arrested him, and, and this is what Judas said. He said, now when you arrest him, you, you hold him and, and you, you latch on, on to him. And, of course, then they took him to, to Annas and then to Caiaphas' house, and then by that early morning, by about 6 o'clock, then they begin to take him to uh, Pilate, and then we know the rest of the crucifixion story. But while this is going on, and while this kangaroo court, this this trial, this examination of Jesus by the Jews and by the Romans, something happened to Judas because he went back to those high priests and he took that 30 pieces of silver that he, he had for the betrayal and he wanted to give it back to them. And they said, hey, that's up to you. You know, we, we don't want this back. And he cast it down. And by that act, I think Judas is teaching us what is really valuable in our life. And this is what I want you to think about. Sometimes all of us think, I need this, I want that, this is going to make me happy. You know, I, I need these material things, I need this home, I need this car, I need this job, I need this money, I need this man, I need this woman, I need this, I need that. And, and, and none of those things are wrong of themselves. But Judas misvalued something here and then he came to his senses and he took that money back and he threw it at them and they they, they saw that as blood money they, they didn't want it so what Judas thought would make him happy what he thought he would uh, begin to initiate never really happened and, and I want you to know that this account of the betrayal is really something that Judas is doing to bring something about and to gain something. And what he thought he would bring about and what he thought he would gain really wasn't going to be as fulfilling as what he thought it was going to be. didn't work out. Uh, sometimes in our own life, uh, there are people that do things and value things and they hold on to things that for some reason gets between them and Christ. Uh, it could be that we give into a life of maybe sexuality that's out of uh, kilter, not in the confines of marriage. It could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be fame, fortune, could be anything. And we really place that in front of Jesus. 
and that becomes our Lord instead of the Lord Jesus Christ being our Lord. And so what Judas thought was valuable in the end of his life wasn't valuable at all. Matter of fact, he disdained it. He threw it away. And then he had a horrible ending. Horrible ending. And the very thing he needed that he was exposed to, that he had access to, he had opportunity to, he could have worshipped. The very one that he could have connected with, learned from, the one that he could have went to heaven with, paradise with, if you will, was the very thing that he lost. And here's another added feature here just for us to end on. Sometimes we're, we're thinking we're so valuable that we're irreplaceable. You know it's not going to be very many days that someone is going to take Judas's place. He's going to be, he's going to be replaced. So we think we're too valuable. Someone can't do without me. The church can't do without me. The church can't do without you. Listen, I know from the Word of God, we're all replaceable. But Jesus is irreplaceable. He's the Lord. So today, these bad boys of Easter, they're all teaching us something. The thief of the cross last week taught us something. Today, Judas is teaching us something. And we need to learn it. Because we don't want to make the same mistakes other people have made. We can learn. We can glean. We, we, can, we can know some things. So let's take this to heart. Let's realize the most valuable thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. The most valuable thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Him through Him. So as we think about this, as we ponder this, then we really want to say, I need Jesus. And if you don't know Him, you can know Him. He is as close as you responding to His Word and His Spirit and His love and His grace and mercy in your life. You can repent of your sins. Tell God you're sorry. You can ask Him to come into your life and your heart. You can pray a simple prayer of saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I want You to be my Lord, my King, not just my teacher, not just my rabbi like Judas, but my Lord. And if I confess Him as Lord, with my lips, with a believing heart, the Bible says I can be saved. And we can all be saved. And it's God's will for us to be saved if we will just accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. So, we're learning from Judas. Sometimes we're learning what not to do. And through that, we're also learning what to do. Listen, we love you. We're going to continue to teach through this forum and through this format. I would love for you to be here right in front of me. I would love to be standing behind the pulpit on the platform on the stage with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in front of me. But that's not happening. But the Word of God's still going forth. Let's make the best of this. Let's shine our lights. Let's increase the kingdom. And God will be uplifted and He's going to bless you. I love you. God bless you today. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.